Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode number nine. Today, we're talking with Jim Skaggs. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. Welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast. It is me, Eric Manning, back with my co-host, Joel Hatch. How you doing, Joel? Doing pretty good. A little bit cold still from today's run. Yeah, it's 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 frigid right now. Uh, it's January 2016, so the new year has begun. Uh, with that, we've got some great news. Uh, we did get fully funded on the Kickstarter campaign, so thank you you very much yeah that was pretty awesome what you guys did for us we really appreciate it yeah it uh, was christmas eve got right to the end but uh, it came through we're really excited because now we can kind of you know put some put those funds to where they need to be so we can put out the podcast that you deserve so that's first on our docket what what else we got going well do we have some gear that we're going to kick out to our backers we do we've got uh, we've got some hats we've got some shirts we've got some stickers we're going to do uh, some shout outs um, maybe not on today's show uh, but once everything's through and and, and done we'll we'll have that to make sure everybody knows you know how much we sit we appreciate their support um and everything there so we also next week we're going to be playing around with doing an episode via skype that's right so that'll be a pretty nice experiment and we just want to give you guys a heads up just in case it sounds like doo-doo yeah just right out of the gate it's it's cold it's r- rough to travel so we're going to try some some stuff through skype that's right. So, and also later in the week, we're going to hopefully get out some video reviews for some gear that we have that we've been testing for the last couple of weeks and the last couple of months. And then the lastly, we do have a segment of a, our website we are excited to do. It's called the Race Previews. Now, these previews are coming to you by runners, not necessarily what you're going to see on the website of the race from the race director, for whoever writes for the website. These are from runners that have run the race, giving you the real lowdown how the course lays out, if it's forced, uh, you know, aid stations, the RD themselves, um, and the experience they had. So those are going to be pretty fun once we get those going. I think so. I'm really looking forward to those. Those will be nice. And I think they'll be a nice resource for runners, first-time runners. That will be just awesome to yeah. have. And we'll have it too where you can ask questions because a lot of these uh, people writing these reports for us are, like I said, first-hand knowledge. But without further ado, we do have a guest today. The guest is a race director himself, a pilot, Oh, yeah. An ultra runner. Yeah. Yeah. A Strava user, of course. Husband, father, mentor, engineer, volunteer. He's my mentor. Oh. Canoe maker, ultra running grand slammer, and most importantly, he's an enabler. So our guest today is Mr. Jim Skaggs. How you doing, Jim? 
Uh, I'm doing good. I didn't realize my list of accomplishments was that uh, extensive. Well, I ran out of ink, so there's quite a few more that we'll probably throw out throughout <laughs> the day. But I think that's a good start, and I think people can relate to that a little bit. So you are very well-versed in the ways of the trail running. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start off first. Um, I think a lot of people know you've been doing it for a long time. A lot of people that know you, you are a race director. Um, you don't just have one race. You've got multiple races. Um, I know Joel and myself have run these races quite a few times, really. Um, Buffalo Run 25K was my first ever trail race. That's why you're an enabler, uh, partly why. Um, so, and I know Joel's run a bunch of those out there. So how did, we're going to start off just with the Buffalo Run. Where did that come from? How did you get it out there? Where well, did it begin? Well, I, I started out as a uh, volunteer out on Antelope Island on their trail patrol. Uh, as I ran the trails out there, I thought, this is such a cool place to go run. I thought, you know, there's nobody's doing a racer out here. There At the time, uh, and this is close to 11 years ago, there were very few trail races in Utah, period. And so I approached the park, <clears throat> and uh, they were receptive. And uh, with a little fear and trepidation, because nothing had ever been done like that out there. And, uh, but they said, sure, give it a shot. And um, the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, started out small, and now it's grown quite large as far as trail races go. When you say small, that first year, I remember running it. And for me, it was big because I'd never run a trail race. How, the first year, how many runners approximately did you have for all the distances? Uh, well, I only had two distances at the time, a 25K and a 50K, and I had a whopping 150 people. And to my uh, shock and surprise, it actually did sell out. Wow. So, and I think importantly, too, I was wondering how you did this. How did you train the buffalo not to attack people? Because they're wild. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so on top of the, the Antelope Island, you've got the 25K, the 50K, the 50 mile, and the 100 mile. Um, last year, all combined, what were your numbers? Last year I had 830 sign up and I think I had around 750 show up. Wow. So that's about 80 plus that didn't even make it there, but decided to fund your, you know, help, yeah, to, help to fund my, my running habit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now typically it's, it's a 10% no show race and that's not just my race. That's races in general. Right okay. now. So is that one of the, the biggest races in Utah, if not maybe nationwide now for trail races well certainly not nationwide it may rank in the top 10 nationwide but uh in utah it's it's uh back and forth between uh chris and red moab red hot and myself as far as who has the biggest numbers and you know we're, we're pretty even right i think that's a, a good place to be about 750 800 just because of the logistics of the island um don't want to you know oversell it and then not be able to cater to the runners right absolutely so now with your 25k um, is that your biggest race like number wise is that your largest one uh yeah typically the 25k represents about uh 50 of the total numbers wow. so i had roughly 450 or 25k runners last year and i think that's probably one of the best parts of that <laughs> that race course is that backside of that island oh yeah well, and I think it's a great intro. Like, like I said, I was my first ever trail race, and it was a great intro to trail running because it's not like over technical. It's not like tons of elevation. It's runnable. 
Um, I honestly didn't run the switchbacks my first year. I thought that was super steep. I've never run them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's a great introductory trail race. And also, I've gone back. I've run that. I mean, I've run the race itself quite a few times, but that 25K is fun to go back just to see how fast you can do it, it once you it get is. used to it. It's a great training run, too. Yeah, it's 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 a great run. So otherwise, I mean, you have a few more races, but we're going to skip to one, the Antelope Island, um, one you do in October, November, right? It's the Antelope Island 50K? Yes. Uh, do the uh, I've renamed it the Fall Classic. I don't know if it's a classic or not, but that's what its name is. Uh, it's a 50K. It's just a big loop. Takes you out on the west side of the island where uh, it used to be that the public was not allowed. Uh, since then, the, the trail is now open to the public. But uh, it just takes you out on the west side of the island where not too many people go. And it's just, uh, I, I think that's the most scenic side of the island. It's really desolate out there. That's the one thing that you feel once you get down to that Death Valley that you really are quite removed from civilization. It's really neat. I like it. And that, the first time I ran that, I think I went on a training run with Jim before the race, and getting back on that backside was awesome. Here, you know, howling coyotes, and you saw the, you know, the animals out there besides the buffalo. Uh, but just being on that backside, it's it does it feels super remote because uh, all you have around you is water and islands, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. And then you also have a half marathon out there. Yeah, same day I do a half marathon. Starts down at the Fielding Gar Ranch. And it's just a point-to-point, uh, uh, point, and uh, you end up at White Rock Bay, where the finish line for the 50K is as well. Uh, it's probably one of the faster trail half marathons out there because there's not a whole lot of vertical on that race. Yeah, that one's pretty fast if you can run fast. Yeah, that Chris, was that, Chris Lund that comes down from Jackson? Oh, Lundberg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he smokes that. Yeah, he does. He, does a, <laughs> yes, he likes he does. to come down and speed through that one. And you also have the Frary Peak Hill Climb out there. Yes, Frary Peak Hill Climb. Frary Peak is the highest point on the island. There is a trail up to the top. It's just really narrow single track. Um, that's my smallest race. I think I had 35 runners this year, and I don't ever want that to get very big because trail can't handle it. And it's pretty unique on how you do the race. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do a, a time trial type start. So I start two runners every minute uh, rather than having a mass start. And that, that does a couple of things. Number one, it spreads out the runners because there's really not room for a mass start. And number two, if you're running with some other faster runners and you start early and they start later, you may not know what your standings are That's right. until <laughs> close to the end when everybody's done. So it makes it a little more interesting, a little more fun to, to play with. And now added to the quiver, you have the Logan Peak race. Yeah, Logan Peak is obviously up by Logan. Um, it's a race that I've run, I think, five or six times. Uh, it's one of my favorite local races. Uh, it's, it's, well, it's always been advertised as 28 miles, but in reality, it's about 26 and a half, but it runs like a 50 K. It's that, that level of difficulty. That's great with trail running is they don't ever, I don't know a race that ever hits the number in a trail run. I don't no. care. It's a hundred mile, 50 mile half marathon. That's the, that's the beauty of the trail. That's right. I think, you know, the thing with Logan Peak is how pretty it is. Once you get up high, I mean, sir, you got to suffer the climb right away. <laughs> you earn it. <laughs> yeah, you really do. And then when you hit that first aid station where uh, Bryce, you know, Warren is working and then you take that hard right and you 
come wrap around that peak and then you climb up. When you climb up, it's really spectacular. You also get to see kind of, you know, if you're worried about what place you are, you get to see where you're at with the other runners because you do that out and back up to the peak. Mm-hmm. And that's really pretty. And then you come back down the peak, you hit that aid station, and then you keep wrapping north. And it's got really great single track. I always really enjoyed that. And then you hit the mud. <laughs> every year? <laughs> every year. And I always forget about the mud. Now, so if this is going to be your first time running it, remember the mud. Because you're hauling butt on that north side thinking you're going to have this great time. Then you come on that mud section. And it's just a dead stop walk at that point. That, that single track section on that north side, going through the ferns. Ooh, the, those flowers, Those too. flowers. Oh, that yeah. is unbelievable, yeah, that, that time of year. Yep. And, and, you know, you mentioned the mud. Is I actually had my shoe taken off. Yeah. I think the second year I ran it, um, I pulled my foot out, and it was just sock. So it, it can slurp you right in. Sure. And then after the mud, you got that nice downhill back to the Bryce's aid station, and then you got just a haul butt down that canyon. Unless you run into a cow. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've heard the stories about those cows. <laughs> I actually took a tumble one year because a cow scared me so bad through that single track. So yeah, and not something got, I'm proud of. Then when you get to the bottom of that canyon, boy, it gets warm. Yeah. Yep, it, it gets, gets warm back really up. It gets really hot. Yeah. And then you got that little section of the Bonneville Shoreline Trail, right? Yes. And then you cut through yep. the fence, and then you're home free back to the park. It's really nice race. Yeah. So uh, with the, the Logan Peak race, how long have you been doing that one? Uh, last summer was the first time I uh, directed it. The uh, The downside to directing that race is I don't get to run it anymore. <laughs> well, and you get to was, run it the day before when you well, mark the course. Well, that's true when right? I mark the course, and then I don't have any time constraints. That's true. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't get to run it on race day, which yeah, I guess it's a downside, but you so, know, it's fun. So do you have any, like with any of your races that you have, like the Logan Peak or the races on the islands, is there anything people look forward to changes this year? Are you going to kind of keep them just how they've been, or, or what's going on there? Well, I'm, I'm, uh, the Buffalo Run's going to remain the same. Um, that's pretty much a, a, a pretty smooth running machine. Same with the fall races. They're, they go along pretty well as, as well. Logan Peak, I'm going to try and... And get the parks, uh, the Forest Service to let me bump the numbers a little bit. Um, that trail will handle way more than the 120 that uh, has been the limit in the past, and I, I don't think I'll have a problem with it. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if they'll let me have 150 or 175 this year. Is 120? Do you know is the limit because of um, you know not just how it can handle, but just management wise? I, I think that's part of it. Um, that very first stage station at the top of Dry Canyon. All of the supplies that get up there are taken up there by mule. So there's a mule train that goes up Thursday. And not only do they take the food up, but they take the water up as well. And uh, that's kind of been the limiting factor. Uh, I'm going to see if I can't get around that this year and see if, if Jared's willing to um, see if he get, his mules will will. Uh, pack more stuff up there and uh, see if I can get him some more Wrangler help as far as uh, helping him with the mule train. Nice. And then anything else? Is there anything else that you have you're looking to do? Anything else race-wise? Or are you kind of set with these ones here? Well, I'm, I've always got my eye out. Um, you know, if there's races that come available and they look like they're a good fit, then I, I might look at acquiring them um, if I can. But, uh, you know, I'm happy with where it's at right now, but you never know. You never know what the future holds. 
So what are some of the challenges, or I should, let me rephrase that. What are some of the fun things you've heard being a race director of your races? What are things that you've heard from people, comments, concerns, emails? What What are some of the ones that you may be able to share with us? Um, well, for the buffalo run, it's usually... I got chased by a buffalo and it scared me to death or, you know, <laughs> something like that. No runner's ever been hit by a buffalo, but, uh, but um, spectator has, Oh, a spectator got whacked about what? Three years ago. Three now? years ago. Earl yeah, by Earl, Earl, the Buffalo, who, who is kind of the, the un, unnamed mascot really. Right. <laughs> he's, a, he's kind of a legend now. He really is. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've milked that one pretty good. <laughs> I would keep doing it. It's still awesome. Yeah. <laughs> What about, um, I know you've shared some other things, but is there any challenges with being the race director on any of these, some of the challenges you're faced with on a, on a yearly basis? Uh, well, the biggest challenge, well, there's two probably, is, is finding enough volunteers. Um, but I have an awesome volunteer coordinator for several of my races. So that's pretty much an, a non-issue with me. Uh, then the other, the other worry that I always have, and it's just, it's, one thing that keeps me up at night is making sure I have enough food and water for the runners. Uh, that's probably my biggest fear. And as a result, by the end of a race, usually I have way too much stuff left over. <laughs> What's well, better than the other way around where you don't have enough stuff when they're out there on the course. Cause I've had, I've been, I've, partaked of some of those races and events and that's never a good situation i nope. can remember pretty specifically pacing you a couple of years ago at a certain 100 mile race and it got to like mile 83 or 85 and there was no food at the aid station you were unhappy well you know that's kind of my fault for going so slow i guess i could get there <laughs> Um, my early on joke when I would joke around with one of my friends at the races is uh, when I started to get a little bit faster, I was amazed that there was still red stuff on the watermelon rinds when that's I got true. there. So that's, that's when I knew I started getting thing. faster. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of getting the recycled watermelon, there's a couple bites left on that. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. We've uh, discussed a lot of the race director side. We may have a few more questions there, but we're going to dig deep, a little bit deeper into what is Jim Skag. So we'll be right back. Hi, this is Jim Skaggs, and you are listening to the Trail Manners Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Trail Manners Podcast. So again, today we have Jim Skaggs on. He's a race director, ultra-running legend in Utah. Uh, so Jim, tell us, how did you get into trail running, and then how did you get into ultra-running? Well... Many moons ago, way back in the deep, dark mists of time, I think it was 1993, in fact. Wow. wow. I ran my... <laughs> yeah, you guys were little kids then, weren't you? No, man. I was a ski bum then. <laughs> I don't well, even know what I was doing in 93. You, you were playing... Soccer. 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 Yep, there that was go. my soccer days. No, there was... Uh, I remember I had run one, one marathon, and uh, we were living in Arkansas at the time. And this is pre-internet, so uh, I got tra uh, Runner's World magazine. <laughs> sorry, sorry, this is just making me laugh. <laughs> like, I just can't picture registering for a race without the internet. <laughs> would be hard. What did well, we used to do? Sign up the day of the race? Well, no, no. I, I was looking at the back because they had race listings, you know, up in the race calendar in, in the back of the magazine. And I saw this. So I was looking for ones in Arkansas, and I saw this Washita Trail 50 Mile. 
And I thought, well, 50 miles. I've done a marathon. That's two marathons. Yeah, I could probably do that. I had, I had forgotten how badly that marathon hurt. <laughs> so anyway, so I trained for it. And, and, and yeah, you, you basically you called them up and said, hey, send me an entry form. And so they mailed me an entry form. Wow. And I mail it back in with a check. And I had no clue what I was doing. So I just trained it on the roads and went up and ran it. And I did great for the first 35 miles. I thought, this isn't too bad. So is this race still around? Yes, it is. It actually is. And I, I keep saying I need to go back and go visit the scene of the crime. <laughs> so uh, maybe one of these days I'll go back and do that. But yeah, I crossed the finish line in 11 hours and 8 minutes. They had a 12-hour time limit. And it was a very much a middle-of-the-pack finish. And I remember the winning time I thought was blazingly fast at like, it was like 7.30. Oh, that is fast. This isn't a hard course. <laughs> this is a pretty flat course. Well, come on. That's fast for us over here. <laughs> well, it's fast for me, too. I'm starting to feel okay. bad about myself again. So yeah. anyway, yeah, that was, that, was, that was my first experience with both trail running and ultras. I, I got home. I drove two hours home. And, and you know what it's like to sit in a car for a few hours after an ultra. Mm. Oh, you need the crowbar to get you out of the car. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> anyway, I fell out of the car and... Karen came out on the back porch and I said, I'll never do something that stupid again. And so 10 years later, I ran my first hundred miler. Yeah. <laughs> and what was that? Uh, that one was Mohican trail or yeah, Mohican trail. And that's in Ohio, in Southern Ohio. Um, I've run that one four times and it's, it's still going on as well. Um, I ran first ran that in 2002, I think. Yeah. Now is that, does that course have a fair amount of pavement on it, or is it on like a towpath? No, it's actually mostly single track. Is it? Yes. Um, it goes through the Mohican State Forest, and there's a state park as well. And uh, when I ran it, it was kind of a modified cloverleaf. You hit one aid station at this covered bridge like three times, and you go out, run a loop, like a 20-mile loop, and come back to this aid station. And and it's it's changed since then, but but yeah, it's it's primarily single track. And so, what was your kind of your feeling after that first hundred miler? Felt like crap. Yeah, <laughs> you just wear it off right then and there. You'd no, never no, do it again. no. I got home and I could hardly walk. And uh, in fact, I didn't run for two weeks because it just I hurt so bad. But I thought I can do anything. Right. And I have I. When I went back to work the following week, I started looking for other races, other ultras around. Wow. I was hooked right there. Now, I got to ask this question because it's something that's come up in a few um, conversations we've had on the show, and I, I'm fascinated by it. In 19, what, so what was your first 100 mile? Like year 2002. Wise? 2002. So still, that's, you know, 13, 14 years ago. What did you do far as nutrition and stuff goes? Do you remember? It, you know, it really hasn't changed a whole lot. In terms of what was what's at aid stations and such, it's still the same. I mean, I had no clue what I was doing there. Um, I don't think eh, goo probably was out with their goo stuff. Vanilla, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, I did then what I do now at an aid station. You graze. 
Right. You know, if it looks good, good, you eat it, yeah. and then you keep on going. Lots of Coke and 7-Up and water and whatever sports drink of the day is. And Cause I'm, I'm always fascinated because we look at everything we have now, and there's so many products and so much technology and you know development and everything else, and it, I just can't get over what it was like in the beginning, you know, not even 2002, but even before that. I mean, there was... Back in the prehistory. Really? Right. You know? I mean, that's when Gatorade was still in the glass bottle. Back in the Stone Ages, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With that with that aluminum pop top on the Gatorade bottle. I mean, I still remember that <laughs> stuff, but it just blows my mind what, what people did then. Yeah. Because now the resources, the internet, and the resources on race reviews and product reviews and magazines, it's so extensive, but back then, there really there was, wasn't yeah. much. So. Yeah. Um, I don't remember at that, at that first hundred I ran, I don't remember seeing anybody wearing a hydration vest. So what were people doing? Just carrying water I bottles? A, I had a two bottle pack. Waste pack? Waste pack mm. with two bottles. And a lot of people had those. Right. Anybody and carrying the metal canteen? No, no, I didn't. I, well, at least I <laughs> well, don't remember. That's like Corey Johnson. He still does that. <laughs> he still does that. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Picking onions. Yep. <laughs> So from that time you did your first 100 back in 2002 until today, so how many 100 miles have you done? I think I have around 25 finishes so 25 far. 25 finishes, and you have a, one or two DNFs at Wasatch? I have three DNFs at Wasatch. Yeah. We won't talk about those. That, well, I mean. <laughs> Joel brought it up. Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, I witnessed one last year. Um, it might have been a little bit of my fault for offering him the beer that early in the race, but... <laughs> So be it. Uh, so out of those 25 finishes, was there one that just kind of sticks out that you're most proud of? Probably the year I finished Wasatch, the year I did the Grand Slam. Right. Uh, that oh, was yeah. 2011. Um, I knew, it, it's it's interesting, I knew from the start that that race was in the bag provided I didn't fall and break a leg or something. Right. Was that a hot year? It was typical. It it wasn't terribly hot, but it, it got warm. But right, and you do really well in warm. I, I like warm weather. Yeah, yeah you're kind of a self-professed weather weenie. Yes, I am. Um, so at what point do you not run outside? Do you have a certain temperature? You're like, nope, I'm doing the treadmill today. Um, it depends. So yesterday I was outside, and it was single digits when I started, but I had a training run for the Buffalo run. So I had to be there. True. You're responsible. Exactly. And so it was, it was, otherwise I would have been on the treadmill. Right. Were you dressed like the kid from a Christmas story? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing the Buffalo, you do the Buffalo training runs, which I think is awesome um, to kind of get people, you know, an idea of what the course can look like that, that show up. But for yourself, when you run, what do you do in the off? We call it the off season, I guess. You know, I mean, I know there's still races throughout the year, but, you know, it's kind of a lull um, between like November to February, um, even though there are races out there. What do you do to kind of regroup, say, after the bear and then get you going for a February race? Um, usually I'll take a little bit of downtime and, and I may I, I usually try and keep running, but I'll cut it way back maybe 15 miles a week, <laughs> uh, if you can call that much running. Uh, but um, usually long about the 1st of October, I'll get back into Joel's gym and uh, start start the weight training up again uh, once or twice a week. And 
usually mid-December or so, I start trying to pick up the mileage again. And uh, usually after the first of the year is when I'll really start getting after it. So here coming up in the next tomorrow? Yeah, like <laughs> tomorrow I'll, I'll probably, like, you know, run five miles. Nice. You've got to start somewhere after the new year, <laughs> after all the all the goods, goodies have been eaten. Got to shed some pounds. So what keeps you going through that? I mean, you've been doing it for a long time. I mean, you're, even though your you know your first 100 was until 2002, which is still, again, you know, 14 years ago. What keeps you coming back every year? Because you, you do some pretty cool feats. You know, like you said, you did the, the Grand Slam. You're always looking for 100. You're always looking for that. That, that adventure r- run. Yeah, You've that done adventure, a lot of adventure run. runs. Yeah. And so what, I mean, what keeps you motivated throughout the year? What goes on in that's ahead? I think it's the fear of growing old and getting out of shape that keeps me going. <laughs> uh, I'm getting up in years, and... Uh, um, I, I do have this fear of getting out of shape, and I know that if, if I were to get out of shape, it would just be horrible to try and get back into shape. Plus, um, I so that's part of it, but, you know, it, it's just fun. Um, it's, it's fun to have the ability and the, uh, yeah, the ability to just go out and do an adventure run to train and go run a hundred miler so that's that's part of it and then the other part is is just the people i mean of all the sports there are out there i think ultra running is is one of those sports where regardless of whether you're an elite or a back of the packer um you're all pretty well equal uh in in terms of you're a participant i mean this is one of the few sports where you can go run the biggest race out there, say like Western States, and sit down and have a beer with the guy who won it. Yeah, you know, um, you try having a beer with the winner of Boston. Yeah, not happening. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're a close family member or one of his sponsors, you're not getting that beer with him. <laughs> Definitely not. But you know, I mean, when I can, when I can go up to Carl Meltzer and and. And tell him he's a sick bastard for his race, and he just laughs at me. You know, you can't do that with uh, uh, too many other sports where you can just hang with the elites and just, you know, share some time with them. Yeah, be one one of them, basically. You know, right. you're just yeah. the, you're just one of the many people that was sick enough to sign up for that race on that day, and there's exactly. just as much respect one way as there is the other, really. Exactly. So what's next for you, 2016? You got any races you already signed up for? Um, <clears throat> probably way too many. Um, yeah. you, you do have, you've been known to have a problem with that. <laughs> I think you've won some awards called the Race Addict. Yeah. Yeah. Three years in a row now. <laughs> you've got a problem. Sad. That's sad. <laughs> well, that's the first step to admitting a problem is, is admitting you have one. That's right. So, yeah, I've got, I've got a getting a full slate i've got moab red hot in february uh obviously directing the buffalo run in march uh i'll be running salt flats 100 at the end of april um then i really don't have anything well no i'll be doing temp trail marathon in may um directing logan peak in june uh, I'll probably be really stupid and sign up for Speed Goat in July. 
All of them? All of them, the full slates? Absolutely. Nice. I'm, oh. I'm really lame that way. Um, August, I'm going to be doing my first international race. I signed up for Squamish 50 Mile. So uh, Nice one, eh? Yeah. <laughs> So I'm I'm looking forward to that one. That one will, I think will be a lot of fun. And then September, uh, I've got the Wasatch and Bear Double going on. Now those are only two weeks apart this year, right? Yes. Oh, that's stepping it up from that three week time frame. Yes. Well, I, I tried it a few years ago and failed at the Bear miserably. Well, that so. was a cold year, right? Yes. When you and tried I, that, and I don't do well in cold weather. That yeah. was a snowy cold year. So yes. we'll we'll let that slide. <laughs> And let's see, what else? Oh, and then I'm doing Pony Express in October for the first time. Wow. So that one, you are going to do that self-supported, right? Yes, I am. Are you going to drag the water behind you? Like, uh, who did that a couple of years ago? Oh, I don't remember. There's two fellows that did yep. that. Um, so how are you going to carry well, your gear? Davey, I, I don't know yet. Um, Davey says he's going to put out a water drop or two. For there, there's I think four of us that are going to do it self-supported, just ones that have a fair amount of experience and that he trusts can can do it or or know what to do when things go south in a hurry. And uh, so if he as long as he puts water out, I could just carry all the calories in my pack for like fifty miles. Yeah, yeah, that's not a big deal. That's a lot of burritos to carry. True, but you know if you use bacon instead it's higher calorie density so it's less weight that's true that's, that's you heard it here <laughs> <laughs> so bacon so you got any adventure runs on the docket for the year uh right now i've got uh i'm, I'm kind of looking at possibly a zion traverse in may Nothing, nothing firmed up on that yet. You guys are invited, by the way. I'm in. I have Thanks. nothing in May. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything in May either. I'm thinking like second week in May or something like that. I like that time frame. Um, and then over Fourth of July weekend, I'm going to go up and uh, do a Teton circumnavigation again. If uh, the snow will let you. Yes, if the snow will let me. If the snow will let you. Yeah. If you've got a big snow year, it might have to be a little later. That's true. Uh, I'd like to go back and do the rubies again. That was just um, a phenomenal run. We've got that article on the website. It was one of the first articles that we ever published. Yeah, we did. Oh, that uh, uh, Misty. Misty. Yeah, yeah Misty yeah. wrote that. Yeah, yeah, we had a great time when we went and did that. I'd really like to do that one. I had no idea. I mean, being close as we are, I had no idea. Looking at some of those photos, I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. I didn't. I had no clue. There's some big mountains out there. Yeah. Big mountains. And... Uh, I think, I think that's about it. I don't, you know, Forrest is talking about doing across the years next year, Oof. or yeah. this year, and I, I kind of have a thing for timed races that go in circles. I, I actually yeah, kind of like them. them. <laughs> <laughs> I actually kind of like them. You've done pretty good at those in the past. I have. You've won one, right? Is yeah, that the pickled feet. Yeah, I won me? pickled feet the last year, and uh, you know, the, they're they're a different animal uh, you train differently for them and this you go into them mentally different and uh, but they can be they can be interesting they have their own strategy and their own uh, way that they play out and well, they're not not boring contrary to what people think that's the, that's that is contrary to what i think <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, more, more power to you on that. Amen those. to that. Right. Amen to that. Um, now, you've mentioned a couple things in the last few. You, you mentioned, you know, you, you know, you're getting up there in years. You've mentioned, you know, how much you like to run. You don't want to get out of shape. What has changed? I mean, I, I have the opportunity to run with you and, you know, meant in all possibly good ways you would never guess you're as old as you are. I mean, you're out there running, you run with way younger kids than us and you do well, you do well in all your races. What's, what do you do to differently? Has anything changed from the last 15 years to where you're at now? Cause you are in great shape and you just mentioned all the things you're doing. That's bigger than most. What, what's changed? What keeps that possible? I, I don't know uh, that anything has changed over the years. Um, my my mileage is annual mileage has actually been pretty consistent over the last six to eight years. Uh, it's not huge mileage. I generally somewhere around two thousand to twenty four hundred miles a year is all I do. Um, the I I would say probably the biggest single change has been getting back into the weight room, um, back into Joel's gym, uh, doing that in the off season for about six months. Um, I think has increased uh, just just the strength that I have, especially uh, when it comes to, to going uphill. I, I am running stuff now that running up stuff now that when I started running those same hills 10 years ago, I would walk. So that's probably the biggest single thing, but yeah, my diet's the same and what about recovery? Do you do anything differently after runs, after races? Uh, I mean, you still put in big weeks. Probably drink more beer. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, not really. Uh, I, I am finding that it is taking a little bit longer to recover after a big big day. Um, you know, if I go out and do a 30-mile a, a run on a weekend, um, I probably won't run the next day. Uh, I don't, I don't do back to backs. Uh, I've not found them. I have in the past, but I've not found them to be helpful to me. Um, so I, I would say I'm slowing down, but I PR'd every distance last year. I was going to say slowing down. <laughs> you're run, it seems like you're racing or running um, a lot and your times are great. So, well, we'll just, I just hope it stays where it's at for a while longer. Or the other shoe drops, and I die. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope that's not for quite some time. <laughs> so, Joel, you're going to kick us off here. Right, so we've come to the part of the show where we do the lightning round. Oh, great. Now, so the lightning round <laughs> in the past, you know, we use a lot of similar questions, and we're not going to really change it up much, but we just want something that comes off the top of your head. You don't have to think about it, and we'll start you off with an easy one. Okay. Your top three beers. Um, I don't know that I have them named. You know, I actually like Dos Equis Amber. If you want a good three-two beer, that's a good one. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's yeah. okay. So that's one. That's we need, I like it. We need two more. <laughs> two and more. We, you, um, you might need to actually name another one because I'm not even sure that's you know that qualifies beer? as yeah, a beer. I think yeah, they, it qualifies. Oh, I thought they put that so. on the Slurpee machine. <laughs> Ooh, beer Slurpee. That could Ooh, be interesting. That could be. I might have to try that. Yeah. Yeah. It's cold enough outside. Yeah, it is cold enough um, outside. I, I'm partial to brown ales um, and stouts. Um, I'm not a big fan of IPAs. 
but uh, we forgive you. <laughs> should we should we launch this show or should we just scrap it now? We might have to. <laughs> he didn't say anything against the Pliny, so that's all right. I've never had Pliny, so I can't say anything against it. That's true. Okay, okay. so what uh, what's next on your bucket list slash adventure run that you still want to do that you have not done yet? I really have a desire to go run the Wonderland Trail around Mount Rainier. Oh, yeah. In a three-day push. I would like to be a part of that. Yeah, that looks just <laughs> so beautiful. I, I really want to do that. It's the, the hard part's logistics. Yeah. Got to get somebody to help out on that. Yeah. All right, so next, your favorite race buckle can be design or from the effort. Sub-30 Wasatch buckle. Nice, that beautiful turquoise. Yes. Okay, advice to a new trail runner. What would you give them? Have fun. Seems reasonable. What would the 12-year-old Jim Skaggs say to the Jim Skaggs today? You ran how far? (laughs) (laughs) You're old. (laughs) All right, meat or veggies? Yes. Uh, But I'm not a huge meat eater. Would you rather have a course record or an FKT? Hmm. Probably a course record because more people see that. Fair enough. What is your favorite race distance and why? I'm I'm kind of partial to 100 kilometers. And, and the reason for that is, is they start early in the morning. They're long enough to just be an epic run and... You're usually done by dinner time, and you can sit down and have a beer. Nice. I think a lot of people have been saying that lately. I do too. Yeah, yeah. being that being start and finish in the same day. That is nice. Yeah, it is. I try to do most of my half marathons like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we notice you have a beard, but what do you prefer, the beard or clean shaven? I don't know that I really have a preference. I know my wife has a preference. <laughs> and what's that? <laughs> clean shaven. <laughs> morning or evening run evening what do you wish somebody would have told you um, before you started trail running or ultra running huh that's a good one um, it, it would have been nice to have somebody I, I, I think when I started running trails and ultras um, had I known how to train, I think I could have been much better. Um, it would have been nice to have somebody, a mentor, or uh, even a, a coach, even if it was informal, say, hey, you've, you've got some potential. Here's what you should do. We know a good coach, don't we? I know a few, but yeah. yeah. You've had one on the show? We did, Mr. Ty Draney. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's all we have um, for today. Um, but, w- you know, what I can tell you is, you know, what you've done for, I can speak firsthand on this, what you've done for this community here in the Ogden Valley, Salt Lake area uh, for trail running is pretty much something that can't be replicated. No. Um, you did bring a race early on that's just grown. And I think you've seen, you know, the numbers grow for the reason that you put on a great race. You're just like you talked about, you're someone to have a beer with after the race. Um, but what you've done for myself and Joel even included, I mean, you're the first person I really started running with both of you. Uh, you've done a lot for our community and we can't tell you thanks enough. 
Um, and I know on a, another side note is you backed our Kickstarter campaign. He did. So, so he gets the first shout out. So you get the right? first shout out for Kickstarter for your support. And I know you've always been a great supporter of. Yeah, where's my sticker? Oh, we'll, we'll get that to you. Oh, yeah. We got a okay. special, special. I'll take it off the back of this car right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we want to we want to thank you for taking the time to, to meet with us today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Trail Manners Podcast. We'd like to thank Jim Skaggs for joining us. You can see more of the Buffalo Run Adventures and Jim over on the website there at buffalorunadventures.com. We also encourage you to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trail Manners or swing by the website at trailmanners.com. There you can hit us up on the contact page and let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, and if you want to be on the show. Until next time, this is Eric Manning with Joel Hatch reminding you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it.